Unless you can convince me by scripture, and not by popes or councils who have often contradicted each other, unless I am so convinced that I am wrong, I am bound to my beliefs by the texts of the Bible. My conscience is captive to the word of God. To go against conscience is neither right nor safe. Therefore, I cannot and I will not recant. Here I stand. I can do no other. God help me. Amen. Welcome to the Conform to Christ podcast, where we aim to engage the mind, affect the heart, and call people to follow Christ. My name is George Mays. With me is Jay Jones. And sitting next to me is special guest, Philip Tallman. Hey, buddy. How's it going? What's going What's on, going on going guys? On? How are y'all doing? So this is a Free For All Friday, and we had our special intro for Reformation Month. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It sounds like they actually recorded that at the <coughs> 15, yeah. whatever that was, yeah. Oh, yeah. Static, little static yeah, a little staticky the there. <laughs> it's the black and white version, Philip. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so today we've got a couple things to talk about. Uh, we'll kind of stick with Luther for a second. That'll kind of hint at one of the things we're going to talk about. <coughs> Luther said this regarding music. Philip is the guy who uh, orders our worship service. He comes up with the order of service, and he's our music guy. But we don't like to say he's our music guy because, uh, you know, in our culture today, the music guy really isn't even a pastor. But Philip is a pastor first, and he's an el- he's an elder. Obviously, the two are the same. I mean, it just so happens he serves in the area of helping us to worship through music. So, Philip, check this out from Luther. Next to the Word of God, music deserves the highest praise. The gift of language combined with the gift of song was given to man that he should proclaim the Word of God through music. Mm. What do you think? That is solid, man. That is good, That, that right? is really good. <laughs> yeah. So, Luther kind of brought a, a music revolution, didn't he? Absolutely, yeah. That was part of... Well, I mean, that was a big part of the Reformation is... Um, he really did help the church sing. Yeah, yeah, he he understood the importance of music in the church, and one of the greatest ways to teach the church the word of God was through music. music. Yeah, we're going to talk about that in yeah. a segment. We've also got a segment coming up, Craig Rochelle. Uh, we'll talk about preaching. So, sticking with the Reformation theme, we'll probably carry it through the month of free for all Friday. It's a lot of stuff to talk about. Before we do, guys, I got a little something special for you. Oh no, neither oh, one boy. of you know it's coming. Okay, what do we got? Sticking kind of with the theme of music. You guys remember how Kenneth Copeland came out and he like cursed COVID nineteen? Uh huh. That's one of my favorite songs of. 2020. <laughs> well, I was just going to say, I, I, I have it here brought to you, Kenneth Copeland's Cursing of COVID-19 brought to you in heavy metal format. Okay. All right, let's do it. You guys ready for this? Can yep. you flip? Here we go. I execute judgment on you, COVID-19. Oh. I execute judgment on you, <laughs> I call you done. 
There you go. What do you guys think of that? Very nice. <clears throat> a good guitar player. Hey, he is. Uh, yeah, he is a talented guitar player. I've seen him do a couple of those. You have? Yeah. Well, I found that today. Okay. And I thought, I'm going to send this to the old football team at Cash, get them pumped up for the game tonight. <laughs> <laughs> like, they can put it on in the locker room before they run out. Yeah. Oh, Curse COVID 19, double whammy. Right. Jay, what did you do before TikTok? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Guys. It brings so much material to the podcast. Don't hate on it. Yeah. <laughs> so, does he send you? Do, does he send you random TikToks? Not as many as he does. The okay, email. Yeah. he's sending them to me all the time. Yeah. So you send me memes all the time. <laughs> okay, and yeah. now I'm starting to get TikToks. TikToks right. like yeah. it's like memes, but living memes. <laughs> living memes. Yeah. Living memes. Go. That's going to be their new their new little tagline. TikTok. Yeah. Living memes. <laughs> Um, well, let's, uh, well, I blame it on George actually, cause he brought up, uh, John Piper's son's TikTok. So that was your so gateway. You, you have the greater oh, sin. Man. That was your, <laughs> thanks was, a lot, George. That was your gateway. Huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let me check this TikTok thing out. Oh, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, look, we're going to talk about music here in a little bit. We've got a request from Brooke particular to Philip, um, to, to, to answer the question is Hill song music okay to listen to in Bethel or if not what's wrong with it why shouldn't we and what's better alternatives like someone young like her like what are some better alternatives for her to listen to so we'll deal with that but first George we've got a little something special about preaching yeah yeah we do I can't remember who found this one if it was you or I I sent this to you on Um, Twitter yeah uh, yeah you found it on Twitter it's uh well it's it's been making its rounds Mm mm-hmm so this is uh, this is Craig Groeschel. Uh He is the founder of Life Church, LifeChurch TV, um, which I guess originated in Oklahoma City. Uh, in Edmond, Edmund? I think yeah. it was in Edmond. Yeah, Edmund? yeah, I think the main yeah. campus is. And now yeah. they've got campuses all over the world. I yeah. think. Yeah. And then uh, you've got so you've mm-hmm. got their. Life Church campuses, and then you've got like the it's like McDonald's, like you got corporate McDonald's, and they got franchise McDonald's. Yeah. <laughs> okay, and that, so then you've got like all these other churches. Right. We've got one just right down the street from us. I think that, yeah, there's one uh, in London. Yeah, it's like yeah. Life Community, and mm-hmm. so dot church dot like, TV dot TV. Yeah, yeah. Dot TV. So like they take the Life Church material right. and they'll they do their it. thing, and then they'll show Craig or show. Yeah, so <clears throat> they had a big we can, uh, Tie we can, Fighter weekend. Uh, that's right for yeah, the movie. Yeah, for the movie. Yeah. So we can we can kind of put this together with the music theme because they they um they they pump in Craig Rochelle on on screen right. for the preaching but they have live music mm. yeah which we can probably talk about that yeah, um, yeah. in just a minute why why is it that they have live music but they don't have live preaching right and i think that there's a reason for that mm. um but yeah Craig Rochelle um he I I don't even know where I found this. It, it's just going around, um, but we can we can. Yeah, watch he, it, talk so about he it. on here he kind of, as the tweet suggests here, he belittles teaching verse by verse, which is expositional preaching. Um, now you can have one-off sermons that are expositional; they're more rare mm-hmm. because it's difficult to kind of do one in a one-off fashion because you've got to catch everybody up thoroughly on the context around whatever verse you're preaching. So usually verse by verse preaching means expositional preaching. They're synonymous and it's through books of the Bible. 
So you start a book and you keep going through it and people are able to see, like that's the benefit of it. I think the greatest benefit is that the regular person can look at their Bible and say, oh yeah, I, I see how the preacher got that. Mm-hmm. And then they can begin to learn how to read the Bible. I remember before I went to seminary, I used to sit in church and sometimes I'd wonder like, I'm never, and I, I felt called to be a preacher. Yeah, I was actually getting ready to leave and go to seminary, but I thought, how, how am I going to be a preacher? I, like, I don't know how he got this sermon. Like, he's got great things to say, but I'm looking at my Bible, I'm like, I could never have come up with that. This guy must be a genius. That's what I'm thinking. Well, now I know better. I know it's just people, they decide what they want to say to their church, and then they take a text that they think can help them do that. But look at the Groeschel thing, and we can chat about it. I'll play it in a second. Uh, He says he belittles it because Jesus didn't do it. Wow! Wow! So that's something to talk about. Let's switch over there, Larry. So this is play. Be armed with enough truth to assess. All right, I got it paused. Um, what was I even going to say, Jay? I don't know. I don't even know what I was going to say. Something about something about verse by verse. So, so setting this up, he's preaching a series, and I, I don't think he, I, I went through all of their their sermon series Mm. on their website. And I only found one series that was through a book of the Bible. Yeah. Um, it was the book of Haggai. Okay. Everything else seemed to be topical. Um, so this is a series on um, basically pride, arrogance. Mm. And I think there's there's two I have in mind, but he's got one that's called You're Not As Smart As You Think You Are. And I think this clip comes from that sermon. I think. Okay. I, I want you to hold on to that, that this is on a sermon about pride, because I'm going to tell you something my preaching professor, Dr. Ben Arbery, told us in expositional preaching class. Ready? Here we go. Let's switch. There we go. All right, about churches. We can become, with no real theological background or training, we can be armed with enough truth to assess churches anywhere and everywhere. We know which ones are good and we know which ones are bad. And because we're right, we tell everyone that church is too shallow or that one's too boring or my church is right. We don't teach that feel good, soft message, but we preach the unadulterated word of God, the exegetical verse by verse teaching just like Jesus didn't do. I'm sorry, I just, just, just came out. But we, we are right about churches. We can become with It no didn't re- just come out. It was actually pre-planned. Oh, yeah. Anybody, oh, anybody oh, yeah. can see that. <laughs> right. It's that, all a show. That's called lying. Sorry, that's called lying. Sorry. Yeah. That's how I was raised. Anyway. Yeah, it's all a, it's all a show. Yeah. Um, yeah, so... Uh, can I just point out the irony of him talking about there's these churches and they think they've got it all together because they do this stuff, um, and his whole point is they shouldn't be doing this they shouldn't be pointing out this stuff and and right. talking about these other churches mm-hmm. while at the same time he throws out his little jab and does the exact thing that he sure yeah you know, he's pointing <laughs> he's out telling them not to do yeah yeah so well first off it's okay for churches to assess other churches and <clears throat> and other teachers I mean how many how many books of the Bible tell us to do that what do you got Peter John Jude uh, Jesus and Revelation uh, Paul, that's pretty much everywhere, to watch out 
and this stuff, and 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 so churches aren't wrong for doing that. Now they could become overly critical, I I, I guess, and be wrong, but yeah. Uh, so first, the good. I think that he's he's good to point out that we shouldn't be so obsessed with talking about other churches. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you've got all these discernment ministries, and a lot of them they they kind of just go overboard. Right. Oh, yeah. Um, so if, if we're standing up and we're just constantly criticizing other churches by name and we're focusing on them and we're calling out other pastors from other churches by name all the time, we might need to reevaluate what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't we don't want to prop our we don't want to fall into the trap of propping ourselves up by by you know tearing into other people. But if we're if we if there's a legitimate concern and we're legitimately warning people, um, I, I think that there is a place for that. Mm-hmm. Definitely, um, I, I think that we would be um, we would be derelict in our our duties as pastors. Well, there's that word duty. I know, mm-hmm. you know that John Piper mm-hmm. doesn't like that, but um, we we would be failing as shepherds if we didn't warn our people about false teachers by name. Right. Right. Sure. So uh, I found it to be ironic in that this is on a, ser- a sermon about pride. I uh-huh. guess that's the topic that is chosen. Uh, so my, my preaching professor, Dr. Arbery, he's so old school, man. I got to try to find some clips of him. He's super intense guy. He played uh, college football, and uh, even though he is an older man, like he's still pretty well built. And so here's a, just a backstory of his intensity. And I can't remember the preacher's name, but he invited him because he was an expositional preacher to come preach at chapel. So something happened in the year period where I think he got influenced by Craig Rochelle and some of these other guys, uh, and he stopped preaching like that. Well, Dr. Aubrey didn't know, and he had become a topical preacher. And um, so preaching classes after chapel, after this guy preaches this like super watered-down, like topical, non-expositional sermon, and Dr. Aubrey's lecturing in class, and he's pointing about how like this is not preaching, and he hits the the pulpit and breaks his finger. <laughs> Bam! <laughs> yeah. So, man, he had all kinds of uh, stuff that he would say. Like one guy, this was this was a major major thug life. Doctor Aubrey, we were all terrified. We call him the sermonator. Because he'd sit back in class and just scribble the whole time you're preaching, right? And the other people are, are assessing you. Well, this guy skipped several verses in his sermon series, because you start at the beginning of the semester and you're going to preach like seven times. You can't skip any verses. It's expositional preaching class. This guy skipped like several verses. Sermon got over, and we were all just like looking at each other like, why did he just got to skip all this stuff? It was a difficult section. And Dr. Aubrey goes, yeah, I'm not sure if you're aware what the name of this class is, but it's expositional preaching class. And the guy's like, "Well, I just didn't think that that section was relevant to the to the sermon." He goes, "Oh, that's weird because the Holy Spirit thought it was relevant," <laughs> yes. and he just stared at him like that. Yeah, and we were all like, "Can we leave? <laughs> we want to leave now." <laughs> so he says to us, "He says, um, people that preach to preach expositionally, you have to be humble." Because it's God's message, it's His words, mm-hmm. and you, He literally said, "You're nothing. Right. You are nothing but a delivery boy." <laughs> and he said, "It's the height of hubris 
to think I've got a message these people need to hear. <laughs> right. And I'm going to find a message they need to hear and I'm going to find the text to support what I think these people need to hear. Yeah. And I've I, never forgotten it. I yeah. think that I think that doing um exegetical sermons through books of the Bible um means that you have a, a high view of God's sovereignty and of providence because you are, I mean, you've been doing John, I'm doing Hebrews, we're, we're planning out long series. I mean, we're, I'm going to be in Hebrews for you know, another 40 weeks or so. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have to trust that God in his sovereignty has ordained that I'm going to preach a particular passage on a particular day and the and a particular people are going to be there to hear it. Mm-hmm. And that's the message that those people need to hear. Yeah. And how often does that happen where <laughs> right. some event takes place and you're preaching a passage that cor- this goes right along with that mm-hmm. event, um, whether it be um, a church member has a death in the family or there's a big event that happens in the nation. And just over and over again, I've seen it, and I'm sure you guys have too, mm-hmm. where God and his sovereignty... Just, right. Yeah. He, he well, how many times? How many times do the Sunday school lessons line up with the sermons? Mm-hmm. Even the children's lessons, we're not we're not coordinating this stuff. Right. They're just going through the the Sunday school material, and we're preaching our sermons, and they just happen to line up. That's that's not planned. That's God's sovereignty. Um, and it, it happens. It happens a lot. Right. It's pretty awesome. And so I, I think that, like you were saying, there's there is this pride, this arrogance that says I know better than than God would. I've got this message. It's I've got to be timely with it. Um, and so I'm just going to come up with my own topics. Yeah. When God has, it, it's it's a, another view of scripture mm-hmm. like we have a high view of scripture god has given us all things that we need for for life and godliness um all all of scripture is is breathed out by god and it's profitable it's it's it is able to equip the man of god so that he would be complete right um and so everything that we need is found in god's word you don't need me to be racking my brain for a topic all week mm-hmm. when the the next topic in in Hebrews it has the topic that I'll be preaching on right, and it's always relevant anyway because there's nothing more relevant to the world than God's word. That's right. God's yeah. spoken, and so you don't even have to make it relevant; it just already is. Yeah. So all you have to do is explain in a way that people will understand what's right there. Right. That's it. You're just trying to make this as clear as possible. So Craig Rochelle's not even the first person to go after verse by verse preaching. Well, can I show you guys a little clip? Yeah, yeah, let's do that. And then we'll I got talk one about more we'll surprise clip. Now, a lot of the stuff's copyrighted because okay. he does church at the movies, Craig Rochelle. And yeah. so the first thing I tweeted you was how ironic, <laughs> yeah. right? He won't exegete the Bible, but what he'll do every summer is he'll exegete a movie. Right. And that's what he does. They have yeah. church in the movies. It's like their huge outreach event, and they uh, will decorate with themes. That's why the TIE fighter was over here yeah. in front of this. this uh, that's pretty impressive. Room. Yeah, yeah. Man. Somebody spent a lot of time on that. Yeah. And uh, and that's he'll execute a movie, though. Mm-hmm. And I just thought that was so ironic. But <clears throat> this is the kind of stuff they get. Uh, it, it just shows you the, the kind of the difference in methodology. Like, we think the number one thing people need is God's Word. So right. if you come to our church service... Um, 
there are people you're going to be bombarded with the word of God. <laughs> Bring a Bible. Yeah. Right. If right. you're a non-believer, we still think the most relevant thing to your life is the word of God mm-hmm. because we know you can be converted at any time in the church service. Call to worship, opening prayer, through the songs that we sing, anything. If the word of God is there, God can God can convert you through his word. That's the means he uses to do it. The different idea is that people need other things to get them interested in church, mm-hmm. and I think this just shows it perfectly. This is uh, the greatest showman oh boy. at Life Church. You guys ready? Oh goodness! All right. I gotta fast forward it because the intro is like so long, dude. Give you little pieces of it. Here it comes. No pressure, Philip, on the call to worship. <laughs> worship what? <laughs> I just go. It just—it's too long of an intro, so I'll just fast forward some. You can get an idea of what's going on here. Well, now you're going to come in the conflict with our Wi-Fi at the church. Is the Wi-Fi not going to catch? <laughs> come on, Wi-Fi, don't let me down. Um, oh no! I ruined it. I don't think you're feeling any pressure to to do anything like this, no. Philip. <laughs> Here it comes. We could get a maca in a suit like that, have him dance around. No. <laughs> okay, that's enough. <laughs> when, whenever that's enough. That's enough. <laughs> Let's start off. That's okay. exactly what we should be um, telling people when they come into the church. This is the greatest show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so there you go, man. man. That's uh, it, It's so sad. Whenever the church tries to imitate the world, well, it's like Christian movies. Uh-huh. It always turns out awful. Right. It just... Hey, when uh, so they, you know, James Coates went to jail for I think around thirty days up in Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, his church blew up. Right. People come came from all over Canada to go to church. Yeah, like they were meeting in the woods in secret and stuff when he got out of jail. Um, the people who will be drawn to come to your church when Greatest Showman is on are not the ones that are going to come to church when the government right. forbids you <laughs> from opening the doors. Yeah, because right. if they're coming for a show, yeah. Right, you can get a yeah. show at home. Mm-hmm. I, I, I <laughs> you can watch something on TV at home. You don't. You could watch actually... the actual Greatest Showman. Right. Oh, there you go. It's better production value too. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you guys have heard the the old statement: "Whatever you win them with is what you have to keep them with." Uh-huh. And uh, I remember in youth ministry early on, got in, which I was young and dumb, and got an Xbox, and oh man, we we blew up for a while, and then we realized. They're not here for the word of God. Right. <laughs> it's like the pizza parties. It's yeah. the games. It's all of that. Right. It's just with this, it's on a, a much bigger scale. Yeah. Right. Huge scale. Yeah. Um, when when I first came to this church, um, we had a pretty good sized youth group. And uh, our, our youth minister at the time, um, he started doing verse by verse teaching. And guess what happened? Yeah. Right. <laughs> started disappearing. Started disappearing. Had other had other things to do. Mm. Yeah, yep. I'm I'm always encouraged by the the old quote. Um, someone once asked Lloyd Jones um, how his church was doing, and he said, "Well, I'm shrinking the church." <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> he was just preaching verse by verse, and yeah, yeah. 
so I was going to say this. Um, Craig Rochelle, not the first guy that's that's gone after verse by verse. In 2015, Andy Stanley. No, maybe it wasn't 2015. It was, yeah, it might have been about that time. He went after uh, he went after verse by verse, mm-hmm. and he's got a pretty good quote that uh, ties into this. Uh, he said in his sermon, "Guys that preach verse by verse through books of the Bible, that's just cheating. Uh, it's cheating because that would be easy. First of all, we'll get back to that, Jay." <laughs> That isn't how you grow people. No one in the scripture modeled that. There's not one example of that. All scripture is equally inspired, but not all scripture is equally applicable or relevant to every stage of life. My challenge is to read culture and to read an audience and ask what is the felt need? Or perhaps what is more important, what is an unfelt need they need to fill that I can address? All right. Yeah. So, guys, verse by verse, that's cheating because, first of all, that's too easy. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. What do, you, <laughs> what do you guys think about that? I I remember whenever I was doing verse by verse in youth ministry years ago, and there was a few times where I, I'm looking through the whole book, and I'm like, I don't know if I want to teach this book because there is this passage yeah. <laughs> that I'm going to have to come to, and I don't know what to do with it. Yeah. I felt the same way when I was doing First and Second Peter, because it seemed like every week there was a difficult <laughs> <She> passage, <really laughs> and I was I was dreading particular passages. I knew that they were coming up, and I knew I don't know what this means, and I know that no that no commentator is going to be able to give me a definitive answer. They're all going to say, "Well, this is a really difficult passage," and no one knows what exactly it means. And I was going to have to stand up in front of people. And try to teach it. Apparently, I didn't know this as I was uh, getting ready for this coming Sunday. This passage in Hebrews is one of the most um, debated passages in the entire book. Sounds super easy. It sounds super easy. Yeah, I was I was reading and I was um, I was reading commentators on Monday, and all the commentators, you pick up one and it says one thing, you pick up another and it says another thing, and they're <laughs> they're talking over each other, and I had a headache when I went home on Monday. Well, George, if you just quit cheating. If I just quit cheating. It'd be a lot easier for you. Yeah. Uh, you know, we we don't have to keep this just to Craig Rochelle and, and Andy Stanley. Those are easy targets. I always I always wonder, and I'm sure you have too, Charles Spurgeon, he didn't preach through books of the Bible. No, he didn't. And you read his, um, you read his um, autobiography, and he talks about how he most of his week was spent trying to figure out what passage he was going to preach. Mm-hmm. And every time I think about that, I just wonder why. <laughs> yeah. Now he did he did exegetical sermons. Mm-hmm. He he explained the passage verse by verse. But it never was through a book. It, he'd always take something from different places. And so every time he preached, he didn't know what book he was going to be in. Mm-hmm. And I, I just always wonder, why would he do that? Why would he just start at the beginning of a book and just yeah. preach through it? Um, so little little criticism of Spurgeon. Yeah. Though Spurgeon Dope. is a much better preacher than any of us will ever be. <laughs> Though he definitely was doing verse by verse, yes, yeah. exposition uh-huh. in yeah. the uh, text. He certainly he was wasn't cheating. Yet. I just wonder 
why he put himself through. Can you imagine his sermons on Sunday if he spent all week studying a particular passage that he, yeah. he just knew this is coming up instead of spending all week trying to figure out what his passage was going to be? I think he was preaching a lot during the week, too. Oh, yeah. And so he, yeah, I don't know why he he did it that way. Think think about how much, though, he must have read the Bible to have his, his mind and memory be that good. Oh, you know? yeah. There's also another portion of the service. I found this on the research on the problem of evil stuff because I was researching his life. Because uh, that was a, I had a chapter on there on Spurgeon, um, the part that we have the collection of Charles Spurgeon sermons. If y'all have those, most people have them. A lot of them are free. That he preached happened later in the service. Earlier in the service, he would apparently read the passage and like walk through it like verse by verse and make comments on right. it. And then they'd sing some more. There'd be a prayer, and then yeah. he'd get up for the uh, proclamation of right. what he had already. Read, yeah, and it was more of a preaching style, right? Very interesting, yeah. yeah. So, I think we yeah. should start doing that, Jay. I don't know, man. That might be overload. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they might get overloaded. Yeah, yeah. we'd have to we'd have to really expand the the, the length of our half? sermon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. an hour and a half. Yeah. So I, I, I want to, you know, in, in that Andy Stanley quote, um, I, I want to go back to what he said about. Craig Rochelle did the same thing. Uh, but Andy Stanley knows what he said. He said, my challenge is to read culture and to read an audience. Right. Like, notice what's not front and center. Right. It's not the scripture. It's not. Right. So he's very man-centered. What does the audience need? What's the felt need? Not what has God said. Right. And who's who's a better who's a better judge of what we need to hear? Yeah. It's not us, uh-huh. right? It's It's not, I need to read the audience and find out what they're going through. Because I'm gonna I'm gonna misjudge what what's going on, e- even if I was an accurate observer of our congregation. There's I'm still fallen, and I'm going to I, I'm not going to make an accurate observation. Mm. I'll, I'll see they're going through this, but I won't know what's going on in their heart mm-hmm. that's causing them to go through this. God's word. Um, it's a two-edged sword, and it, it cuts through. Um, and that's what the people need. They, they're going to come with their felt needs, but what they're going to find is that God, God addresses what yeah. they really need to hear. How, how right. would you address... Uh, we'll come back to Andy Stanley, because he said no one did it in Scripture, and I'm going to read to you someone who did. And, and Craig Rochelle. Oh, Craig said, Rochelle you know, said, like Jesus, Jesus did. Like Jesus did. Like Jesus yeah. didn't. Ha, 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 uh-huh, just right. came out. What do you think about that, him saying, Jesus didn't preach expositionally? Have you read Luke twenty four? <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay. So if if what he meant is every time Jesus sat down to preach, he was preaching through a book of the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. We don't have evidence of that. Well, at least I don't think we do. Yeah, I don't think. But so. if if he's saying he didn't take the word of God and explain it and apply it, of course he did. Right. Of course he did. Uh, what did he do when the the religious leaders they come and they're they're they are asking him questions in order to to trap him, mm-hmm. and Jesus turns the tables and he asks them a question. What does he do? He goes to a particular passage of scripture and says, "What does this mean?" Right. Right. If that's not exegesis, I don't know what it is. Right. Yeah, he himself is exegesis. I think that's the thing he really misses, and that's what yeah. John tells us at the beginning of his right. gospel. Yeah. The word. Uh, is literally exegeted him. Right. 
that Jesus had exegeted the Father, explained mm-hmm. him. Right. So his life is living exegesis of the Word of God and of God. Right. But he also, I mean, you've got the Sermon on the Mount. He's uh-huh. explaining the clear meaning of, of the, the Old Testament. Uh-huh. Right. And you have... Uh, you, you said, you, said um, you, were, you were mentioning Luke. Um, Luke 24, where he starts with Moses and all the prophets yeah. and he explains to them in all the scriptures the mm-hmm. things concerning himself. Does right. it again with the disciples. He, he uh, enters the upper room and he explains to them the law, the prophets, and the Psalms. That's, that's exegesis. Just because it's not you know, recorded word for word, um, that doesn't mean that we're not told that that's what he does. The other thing to remember is every word that comes out of his mouth is the word of God. The word right? of God. <laughs> yeah, they're, so, making, they're yeah. making a category error because we have the completed Bible. Mm-hmm. They weren't carrying around, you know, big old scrolls <laughs> in their arms, right. unrolling it every time they they were talking. They they were Jesus was giving the word of God. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. There was new revelation, right? Um, it, it's almost as if Craig Groeschel and Andy Stanley, these guys that are that are mocking verse by verse, believe that they're giving new revelation. Right? Like we're giving you stuff that you need. It's not, you know, may not be found back here in, well, for Andy Stanley, Genesis, right? Right. Um, but I've got what you need. Like that's they're, they may not come out and say it, but they're they they think that they're giving new revelation. Mm-hmm. But what's going on in the in the Bible is that these people are writing the scriptures. They don't have the complete canon, so they're they are giving new revelation from God, inspired by the Spirit. And now we have the closed canon, so we don't give new revelation. We look back at the Word of God and we say, "What does it say?" Mm-hmm. Yeah. But even the apostles, you look at the way that they're preaching, they're explaining passages. Mm-hmm. What's Peter's What's Peter's Pentecost sermon? He's exegeting Joel chapter two. Mm-hmm. What, what what is Paul doing in in Acts chapter thirteen? He's exegeting uh, some of the Psalms. Like they're doing it. Yeah, right? they might say, "Well, there's no one who did it like you guys are doing it." Mm-hmm. And to that, I would say, like Andy Stanley said, "Yeah, I would just take him to Nehemiah chapter eight. Right. I'll just read it. Yeah, that's Nehemiah a per- perfect eight. example. Nehemiah chapter eight. Uh, and all the people gathered as one man into the square before the water gate, and they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses that the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, both men and women and all who could understand what they heard, on the first day of the seventh month, and he read it, and he read it facing the square before the water gate from early morning until midday, in the presence of the men and the women and those who could understand. And the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. And Ezra the scribe stood on a wooden platform that they had made for the purpose. And beside him stood Mattathiah, Shema, Anna, Aniah, Uriah, Hilkiah, and Messiah. And on the right hand, I got all these. You guys are over here laughing I'm at lo- me. I'm loving it. You're, you're I'm doing loving great, it. <laughs> <laughs> Padiah, Mishael, Mal. I can't even do this one. Malkijai? Malkijai? How, how do you say it? How do you Malkija? Hashem? Hashbadana. I don't, I don't know. That one's wild. Say, say that one. Take a wild stab at that one. Hashbadana. Don't know, man. That's a wild, wild one. Zechariah. I got that one. <laughs> I, want a, I want a recording of Jay reading and Mesh, the Bible. <laughs> Meshulam on this <laughs> left, left hand. So these guys, he's rolling deep 
That's all I know. He's rolling deep with his buddies. Right. It's they're all the priests. He's standing there <laughs> yeah. on a wooden platform that was made for this purpose. Yeah. I don't know. Do we have anything like that I don't know. in our That's church? Yeah. Something wooden that we oh, stand so at. Yeah. And all the priests are standing there around him. Yeah. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people, and he opened it, and all the people stood. They stood up to hear the word of God out of respect yeah. for the Lord. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, lifting up their hands, and they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Also, more of his boys helped the people to understand the law. So, <laughs> more priests. Now, here's what they do. They go into the crowd and probably where they can get more localized, mm-hmm. and they explain to the people what he just read. Okay. They're doing that's, expositional. That's verse that's eight. It. They're doing expositional preaching. Don't, start, don't, don't stop. you got to read okay, verse yeah, 8. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. That's... Understand what they just read. They read from the book of the law of God clearly, and they gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. And that's preaching. That's preaching. You stand yeah. up, you read, then you give the sense to the people mm-hmm. of what God's Word says so right. that they can understand. There you go. That's that every everything in that chapter is what we do. Yeah. Except you guys don't stand around <laughs> up on the platform while one of us is preaching. Right. I mean we yeah. could if you want. Yeah, just <laughs> we could get those big those big uh high back chairs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like on TBN, those yeah. gold yeah. those golden thrones. They always have them on the uh the IFB fundamentalist preacher uh-huh. clips. Yeah. Those guys sitting around them. Uh-huh. Maybe Let's that's do where, it. Maybe it's where they got the idea. I always Let's wondered. do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So so uh, they they gather. Ezra reads from the law, and then the priests go out in a more localized fashion, and they explain what it means. Mm-hmm. I think our people get off pretty well early morning to noon. Yeah. And yeah. you and you got to remember they're reading the books of the law. Right. They're reading Leviticus, <laughs> right. <laughs> right? So, yeah, explain, yeah. Explain and they're sta- they're, they stand up, they stand yeah. up the entire time while while he's reading it. Yeah, right. Yeah, it is. It is. It is very interesting. There's a there is a respect for God's word that has been lost in a lot of evangelical churches. Yeah, yeah. and the, I think I think that that Nehemiah chapter eight is a, an excellent example for us of what what it's supposed to look like on a mm-hmm. Sunday morning when when we open up God's Word. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah. There's a great sermon, if people are listening or watching, um, kind of about what we're talking about, preaching, the importance of hearing from God's Word uh, by Steve Lawson called Famine in the Land. Have you guys ever heard that sermon? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's one, one of the most fire sermons ever preached in the last 20 years, Yeah, easily. I'm trying to see where uh, people can go find it. Uh, so you guys talk about something while I find it. <laughs> Surely it's on YouTube. <laughs> I'm sure, probably. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's an outstanding message. Yeah, but it, you know, you you were talking. Uh, it's not original to you. Um, the illustration that that uh, preachers using the Word of God like a a lamp pole. Oh yeah, uh, who was uh, David Helm? I think okay. uh, wrote a short little. It's one of those nine marks books on okay. uh, expositional preaching. Yeah, uh, yeah, the preachers. He's going to use the word of God like a lamppost, and you're supposed to use it for illumination. Mm-hmm. Uh, by God's word, we see. Uh, but what's happening in 
a lot of evangelical churches is instead of using it like a lamppost, the preacher's using it like a drunk guy. Mm. He, he leans against it or mm-hmm. does something worse to it. Right. And and more and more we're seeing this, and it's kind of coming back to what you were saying. There, there's been a, in so much of the church, it's been lost, the reverence, uh, this high view for the word of God. Yeah. I think what a lot of people hear when when we say verse by verse preaching, and I, I think even preachers can um, misunderstand this, and and so they do something that it, it's not, is people think that you're reading a verse and you're explaining it, and it's really just kind of dry, and it's like reading a commentary, right? yeah, a commentary, right? <clears throat> just a lecture, That's, right? A lecture. Mm-hmm. Um, I've I've heard I've heard people that do that. Right. That's not what we mean by expository preaching. Mm-hmm. Um, it, expository preaching really is doing what we 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 want our podcast to do. Yes, exactly. We want it to in, we want to engage your mind. So we're explaining what it means, but we also want it to affect your heart. Yeah. Um, so real expository preaching, it's not just this filling your head with more knowledge. So let's go to you know verse ten. Here's what it means. Let's go to verse eleven. This is what it means. Like we're taking the whole, the full sense of it in its context. What's going on? Where we are um, seeing where it fits in the storyline. We're showing how it points to Christ, and then we're saying this is why it matters. This is this is what it should do to you. Mm-hmm. Um, this should affect your heart so that you might be conformed to Christ, so that you might be convicted of sin, so that you might be encouraged, so that you might be strengthened, so you might, you might go and, and obey. Uh, that's, that's what expository preaching is. Right. Um, it's, not, um, it's not this dry. So I, I think that people like Craig Rochelle are like, people don't want to listen to this dry verse by verse. They, they want to... They've got these, you know, Andy Stanley, they've got these felt needs. Well, the the word of God is meant to be applied. Mm-hmm. So if you right. if you are preaching uh, and you haven't applied the text, you haven't done expository preaching. Right. You've stopped short. Mm-hmm. You yeah. have to apply. There, there has to be application. And that's that's been the plague for a long time, I think, and maybe even a uh, justified... Uh, critique of people in the reformed world is that their preaching is boring. Yeah, uh, God's word isn't boring. You're boring, right? <laughs> so stop, stop being boring. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Right. Um, if you need to, if you need to crack open a Red Bull and chug that sucker yeah. before you preach, maybe that's what you need to do. Yeah. Don't be coming up here dropping dud rounds. Well, it, <laughs> it needs to. We talked about this. Um, the the preacher needs to be affected by it first. Mm-hmm. That's right. Preach it to yourself. You need to be affected by it. This matters to me, and I see why it matters to you. Yeah. Um, I, I know the things you're going through. I, I know the sins that easily beset <clears throat> us. I know how we get distracted. I know that there's all this stuff going on. The Word of God matters. Right. This passage matters to you. You need to pay attention. That's why we have, you know, we... we uh, we want to grab their attention at the beginning, right? Uh, we don't just launch into. All right, here's verse one. Yeah, like you have to, you have to garner that attention. Mm-hmm. This matters. I've been in this text all week. I know you haven't thought about this text at all, mm-hmm. so I'm not going to immediately think you are as interested in this as I am. 
Right. But I'm not going to let you stay that way. Right. I'm going gra- to grab you and I'm going to draw you in and I'm going to I'm going to my my preaching professor he said that your preaching should be like if you're in a counseling room with someone that says I'm going to commit suicide. Mm-hmm. What do you do when someone sits across from you and says I'm thinking about killing myself? You don't say, "Well, here's, you know, here's five reasons why you shouldn't do it." You plead with them. You say, "Don't do this. Right. Don't do this uh, for for the sake of of right. your soul. For the you know, for uh, for the sake of God. For the sake of your family. Don't don't do this. Uh, yeah. That's that's what preaching should be." There's uh, a ton of biblical illiteracy in the world today. We keep seeing those uh, polls come out over and over and over and over. The amount of evangelicals who uh, pretty much are non-trinitarian. There's no other way to put it. They're right. non-Trinitarian, <clears throat> which means they're probably not Christians. Mm-hmm. Um, they hold heretical views of the Holy Spirit, heretical views of who Jesus is, and there's a reason they're like that. Right. It's because for years and years, and the thing to remember about this is, and this is why I brought up Steve Lawson's sermon. Now, obviously, the sermon is from Amos. It applies to to uh, Israel through the through this prophet. I'm sorry. What did you say? What I was going to let this. Or are you going to let it slide? I can't let it slide. In did its original you, what, context. What, 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 what book? book was that? What did you say? Amos. Amos. Have you ever heard this pronunciation before, Philip? Amos. 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 Larry, how do you pronounce it? Amos. 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 That sounds very Irish. I think you guys are importing your Irish uh, heritage maybe, on the text. Maybe. Amos. Look at me. I'm as Irish as they come. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Hamish. And this is this is a. Uh, I don't know how to say it. To be honest with you, Amos. Well, maybe Amos. we can take it. Maybe we can Amos. take our, our own poll. Maybe people can comment. I'm gonna look it up. Comment in the pronouncer. <laughs> comment okay. below. We'll bring it in next and uh, tell us who's right. Amos. 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 I'm sorry. I, I know that Watch, was. I'm gonna go reading it, and now I'm, all I'm gonna be able to read is Amos. <laughs> that's gonna like, be in your head forever. Yeah. Even if that's right, it just sounds weird because I, I've always heard Amos. It's like when I hear a preacher say Isaiah. Maybe you're right, <laughs> but you're still wrong. <laughs> Don't say it like that. How do you say it? Isaiah. 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 That's do you wh- say Isaiah? I think Isaiah is white talk, man. I, I don't know, man. I don't know. I'm you're part of the old Jesus. Part, I, I live in America. Isaiah. I don't know where you. I don't know where you're from. Aren't you part here? Jew- here in America, George is we part say Jewish. Isaiah. <laughs> we say Isaiah and Amos. George, you're part Jewish. Maybe you're right. <laughs> oh my you gosh. probably are right. We're all wrong. <laughs> no, it's Isaiah. But I don't know how to pronounce any of these words. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> we couldn't tell. I barely got. <laughs> though I was pretty good at Hebrew in, in seminary. Don't yeah. ask me why. Because I wasn't that great at English. <laughs> maybe, maybe you need to have your your Hebrew. Maybe you need to have the Hebrew names. I don't know. You need to see those. I need to those see the Hebrew pr- and then I can sound it you out. You need to read it from maybe. right to left and sound it out in Hebrew. Yeah, maybe you're Hebrew. right. Yeah. So this sermon, go to Sermon Audio. Check it out. Okay, you can go there. Steve Lawson, famine in the land, and God brings a famine on the land, not of water and food, but of hearing the word of God. And I'd say we're in a famine. Yeah. Oh, definitely. We're, but we can't. hey, but we're not we're not short of uh, jokes and and stories. Oh yeah. man, we can understand the sure. spiritual meaning of Star Wars. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, oh, man. 
find an emo. Yeah, but we can't understand the, uh, the 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 person of Christ. Right. We can tell you about the emperor and his rise. Yeah. Don't be. Don't be. Uh, don't be breaking out that cold, lifeless doctrine. Yeah. But uh, let's. Here's a, a poorly done rendition of Greatest Showman. <laughs> <laughs> Oh goodness! All right, we want to transition to the music. We have a we have a request. Yeah, we have a request. Here's and this. Yeah, you know, this this goes this goes right along. So what I what I um, noticed, and and you guys know this is true. They 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 pump in Craig Rochelle sermons on a big screen, mm-hmm. but they have live music. Yeah, why do they do that? Because music will bring people in. Okay. And that's a big pull for. I've watched the church down the street. They they have it where you can watch their uh, services and things mm-hmm. like that. And so I've watched their music. A lot of Sunday afternoons, I'll sit down and I'll watch. Oh, just a handful of different local churches to see are they doing anything that would be beneficial uh, to help our church. How's that going for you? As uh, <laughs> why why am I why am I torturing myself? That's the question. Yeah, it's been pretty rough. Right. Um, but so often, um, like the church down the street, like they, they rock out pretty hard, things like that. So it's going to bring people I, in. So I, I agree. It, it brings people in, but I think the reason, and this is why I would say that, um, sh- you know, live streaming a, a service is not the same as, as going, right. you know, that there is a difference when you're in the room, mm-hmm. watching, watching a, a band play on a screen is not the same as being in the room. Right. Yeah. It's the same with preaching. Absolutely. But there's been such a, a downplay there. There's been such a, you know, ignoring the importance of preaching that people don't care. But if you're in the, even That's if it's, people, even if it's Craig Groeschel, watching him on screen on screen is not going to be the same as being in the room. There is a, an atmosphere, an atmosphere there is a yeah. feeling that accompanies being in the room that's why it's the reason people that's, go to that's, concerts that's why Absolutely. yeah that's why they go to concerts that's why they feel they feel okay pumping in someone on a screen to preach but they will always have yeah the band there You're right because they they know that there's a difference yeah and you also see the priority they put a priority on the on the music they don't have a priority on the preaching that's why a lot of people say here's our time of worship and here's our time of preaching Instead of the whole thing is our time of worship, yeah. listening to the the word of God as part of our worship. Yeah, yeah. It's just, and it isn't the same like person on the screen preaching that yeah. someone preaching to experience preaching. Because preaching is an act of worship too. That's mm-hmm. right. And uh, I think there there is a, a way in which God is ministering to people when you're present there when people are preaching. Yeah. You know, Lloyd Jones didn't want people to record his sermons. Yeah. Did you know that? Uh-huh. He said you can't capture the thunder and the lightning. Yeah. yeah. And what he that's what he meant by that. Right. He's like, it's not the same. Yeah. I'm really glad they ignored him because <laughs> right. even though you might not have been able to capture the thunder and the lightning, there still may be an echo of it there. Yeah. You know, and you can be yeah, you're you, start, you're, you certainly are going to benefit from listening to good preaching. Yeah. But it wouldn't if, be the same but as it's not the sitting same. there listening to him. It, listening to a sermon while I'm mowing my yard is not the same as sitting there with my Bible open in the room while he's preaching it. Mm-hmm. Right? That's right. Yeah. yeah. That doesn't mean I don't benefit. Um, but it's not the same. Right. Yeah, that's good. So the request is music, 
Hillsong, which a lot of these churches play oh. Hillsong music too. Uh, so the request is from my daughter, Brooke, and she's wanting to, you know, listen to music. She listens, you know, like I told you before, my kids have a pretty long leash. So, you know, I'm, she likes country music. I'm not going to reel around on country music. But the question was regarding... You to, should. What? George. <laughs> George, where... You live in Oklahoma. How do you? How are you not exposed and like country music? Oh, I, I'm exposed to country music, but I do not enjoy it. Well, you might not enjoy the new stuff because it doesn't even qualify as country music. That's dude. true. That that is true. I, I will. How about Johnny Cash? All right, Johnny I'll, Cash I'll is like you, the I'll exception, you, man. Yeah, I'll give you Johnny Cash. Yeah. Waylon Jennings. Yeah. Sorry, man. <laughs> All right, George. Okay. All right. You discipline your kids your way. <laughs> <laughs> your kids, your kids listen to dubstep all day, George. Now that's what I, that's what I think about them now. Oh my goodness! Free for all Friday. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Checking my phone because it is free for all. Somebody just called me. So back to the music thing. So, so Brooke, you know she she would like to listen to uh, religious Christian music like Christian music during yeah. the week. So she's like, hey, Dad, what about Hillsong music um, or like Bethel music stuff? And she's like, I've heard you talk about it before, you know, because they have some really catchy popular songs. Oh, yeah. Like they're, pop, they're on the radio. They're, right. pop, they're part of Christian pop culture. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's like, what about that? I said, well, there, there are better things to listen to, and we should have a longer conversation about it. And so then, you know, the idea was, well, Philip's going to be on the thing. Let's ask Philip. Yes. He's the expert. Here he is. Oh, boy. Philip. So talk to us about, because I'm sure a lot of people have the same question. Yeah. Because yeah. a lot of uh, Southern Baptist churches play oh, man. Bethel and Hillsong. Yeah. So not just in the yeah. idea, should we sing it in church, but should we listen to it through the week? And if not, can you give us some better alternatives? Uh, absolutely. Um, you know, uh, as for listening, I guess let's start with listening to it throughout the week. Okay. Well, let me let me start there, and then we'll kind of branch out. Um, all, we need to remember that all truth is God's truth. Mm. But like, if he can speak through Balaam's donkey, you know, he can he can speak through whoever he wants. And did I ever tell you that story about Balaam's donkey? <clears throat> that um, Angie? I don't think so. Just so you know, a little bit. <laughs> you gotta get to on Free for All Friday. You can get to know a little <laughs> bit about us, our kids. You know, George's kids like dubstep, and. <laughs> <laughs> Mine like country music. I don't know where that and, came uh, from. <laughs> Drake listens to uh, so to like heavy rock music before he gets ready for his games. So I'm getting ready to go preach in chapel at Midwestern. Have I ever told you this? I'm so nervous because I haven't been preaching very long. Like I don't even know what I'm doing. I can't explain. I can't even say Hebrew words, right? And uh, so I'm getting ready to preach in chapel. Got selected to do that. So I'm just sitting there and like Angie, she nudges me. She's like, hey. One time, God spoke through it through an ass. Pretty sure you'll be all right. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "Thanks, wife. Uh, yeah, thank you for the encouragement." <laughs> now he's always prepared to go to the pulpit. Yeah, <laughs> that's how she. That's how she got me ready. Uh, yeah, that's pretty good. That's good. Yeah, I okay. always count on Angie. But yeah. you are right. So, God uh, yeah, one time so, did use a donkey. Yeah. So. So he can use whoever he wants, whatever means he wants to get his truth out. And Hillsong and Bethel, no different. He can he can proclaim his truth that way. And here's the problem. These these places, Hillsong and Bethel, they're false churches. 
They're they're proclaiming prosperity gospel. Um, there have been many books and many articles so, written about these places. So you say they have a, a false gospel. Let's just explain it real quick because you know we're up on this. What do you mean by they have a false gospel of prosperity? Uh, so so the easiest way um, the uh, the name it claim it. Mm-hmm. Um, God wants you to be healthy, wealthy, and happy. The, this is that that's like. Uh, the main part of their message that they're proclaiming. Okay. Now, whenever it comes to, I would call Bethel a cult. Yeah, there. Oh, so when I think we need to be a little bit more explicit because when you hear health and wealth, you could be thinking about Joel Osteen. Mm-hmm. That's Bethel okay. is not Joel Osteen. They are they they indulge in some of the worst kinds of, uh, I would say, just paganism. Oh yeah, right. they do grave sucking. Yeah. So they think that you can go to the graves of these, you know, old, you know, quote unquote prophets and prophetesses, and you can lay on the grave and you can like suck their spirit up. You suck you their can, power. They, they believe that like they were they were anointed, kind of mm-hmm. like I, I believe they're kind of taken from like the story of Elijah mm-hmm. and His Elisha. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. And so they'll go and lay on these guys' graves to inherit the suck their power. Yeah, yeah, like a double portion of your. Spirit. But they'll have they'll have you know uh, the glory cloud. Oh, that yeah. that gets pumped through the, <laughs> the vents, gold dust, gold angel dust? angel feathers. It's weird. I'd be, I'd have me a couple vacuums planned, so and I would be sucking that just gold dust devil. devil. <laughs> <laughs> Let me clear this up for you. Hitting a pawn shop after church every Sunday. So, so they're so they're deceiving people. There's someone that's pumping this stuff yeah. in, right? Like yeah, this right. is not this is not the actual Shekinah glory of God. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's not real angel feathers right. or gold dust. Um, no one's, you know, collecting this <laughs> taking it to the pawn right. shop. <laughs> aren't they ado- aren't they adoptionists too? And by that I mean I that, think so. oh, that yeah. Jesus isn't Jesus in the way we would explain him. Yeah, right? I think so. True God and true man. That oh yeah, they have a definitely have a heretical view of Christ right. and his humanity and his yeah. divinity. But um, you can you can listen to a lot of their heretical stuff. It doesn't take very long for you to find someone. Just look for a clip that's got one of the women talking. That yeah. they're they're usually the worst ones. Right. Um, and so we're we're not just talking about Word of faith prosperity. We're we're talking about borderline. Now that's probably probably even just straight up paganism. That's that's yeah. I think cloaked in Christianity. The word of faith and prosperity gospel is probably just that's just the tip. That's just the tip of the iceberg. Is the prosperity gospel right? And then it just gets worse from they there. Cer- they certainly do hold to that because um, Bill Johnson, the the founder of Bethel, he's he has said you know God God does not um, want you to be sick. But the adage is never trust a uh, never trust a, uh, a prosperity teacher that wears glasses. <laughs> right. 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 Um, I, I would recommend if you want to learn more about kind of what they believe. Uh, great podcast, Cultish has mm-hmm. done quite a bit okay. um, yeah. with them. Uh, Costi Hinn, mm-hmm. uh, Benny Hinn's oh yeah, yeah nephew yeah. that got some saved. Books about it, yeah. uh, he wrote a great book that deals specifically with um, the New Apostolic Reformation, which right. is what the Bethel Group is. Yeah. Uh, I believe the book's called uh, Defining Deception. Okay, and so just uh, those are some great resources if you want to learn more about that. But so these are false churches. But what about Hillsong? Is Hill, would you say Hillsong is that bad? As bad as them? I wouldn't say they're as bad, but they're bad. Okay, they're, they're endorsing. Um, they're endorsing uh, Bill Johnson mm-hmm. uh, over at Bethel, and they endorse all the same people. They they've endorsed um, Kenneth Copeland and a lot of these other 
just horrible prosperity gospel. Of course, they've endorsed um, Joel Osteen. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was listening to Justin Peters recently, and he was talking about how Hillsong they've they've had just about everybody of the who's who from the prosperity gospel come and preach mm-hmm. uh, preach at their yeah. uh, at their campus. And right. so uh, wasn't Car- wasn't Carl Lentz. Was he Hillsong? He was yeah, Hillsong. He was. Yeah, he was Hillsong. And then yeah. had a, so we talked about we uh, talked about Carl Lentz it? and his celebrity, kind of the celebrity pastoring yeah. and and how he's fallen. Well, uh, I mean, they have immorality. Was Oceans their song? Oh yeah, Oceans yeah. was their famous. And there's nothing like. Could you look at like they have some songs? There's nothing wrong with them, right? <clears throat> so here's the problem: is that Hillsong and Bethel they've written some outstanding songs. So my my wife doesn't let me listen to Christian radio because it causes my blood pressure to rise and I get really ticked. But one day she wasn't in the car. And I was like, let's give it a shot. I turn on the radio and I hear just this, this outstanding song. And I'm like, I want our people to be singing this song. This is so good. I get home, I get online, I look it up, and it's by Phil Wickham. Mm-hmm. So Wickham, a contemporary Christian artist. Right. Um, the Lord's used him in my life. Um, I play a twelve string guitar because of Phil Wickham. Okay. Uh, did did so. he have that song "Blood and Water"? Uh, I, th- I'm I not think sure. Do- I think he does. Yeah, but anyway, it's a good. So, it's a good song too. But this song that I heard is called uh, "Living Hope." Okay, um, it's a great song, outstanding. I go home and look it up by Phil Wickham and um, Brian Johnson. I'm like, oh, that's I know a, that name. That's his mm-hmm. uh, son. Uh, he's. Um, the music guy with Bethel, uh-huh. one of the head music guys at Bethel, and automatically, as great as that song was, it automatically became a song that I was like, we can't do this song because of where it's coming from. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, even though this is a great song, my one of my fears is that by us introducing this, our people will go and hear it. They'll go look up. They'll be like, that's a great song. I love it. Right. They'll go. And they'll start to listen to other Bethel songs. Mm-hmm. Now, some people will be like, Philip, you are like way too extreme. And I always come back to, there was this old illustration about a king or somebody that was hiring a new chariot driver. And every chariot driver that he auditioned for the role would give him as close as he could to the edge. Well, the one that he wanted was the one who would keep him the safest. And it would be better for us to keep our people <laughs> safe mm-hmm. than on the edge. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I just, we, we can't risk our people getting into heresy. Now, um, I know so many of our people are wise with the scriptures. They know the scriptures and they can look out for heresy on their own. But part of our roles as pastors is to help protect and guard our people against these things. Mm. Now, even though this song is outstanding and it's, it's not heretical, there are so many other songs by Bethel that are heretical. And if you get on Spotify or some of these other things and you listen to one song, they'll start to play other songs yeah. by the same groups. Right. Before you know it, you're listening. The easy target is, of course, Reckless Love. Right. Songs uh-huh. like that that are teaching you things about God that aren't true. Right. What's and, a better one? Relentless Love? That's, oh, yeah. That's my jam right there, buddy. Relentless Love. Chris Anderson. Uh, yeah, it's Chris Anderson. Yeah. So, yeah, go look up that. It's a great song. Oh, yeah. And, and so, but like with Hillsong. With Hillsong, they've got a ton of great songs that are um, catchy. They're very catchy and they're accurate. They're theologically sound, biblically accurate. The song "Man of Sorrows" to this day, I still think, is one of the best songs that explains the gospel. But because of where it's coming from, we won't sing it here. Yeah, and, and 
you've got like Cornerstone. You've got some so many of these songs that they've written that are really good. Oh yeah, but, I forgot about that Cornerstone. Yeah, yeah, it's a great song. But what? And Bill Johnson has even admitted to this that um, they use their music to to draw people in. Right, right. Doesn't doesn't Bethel even have um, like a band that that's on a record label? I believe uh, used to um, Jesus Culture. That's right. Yeah, yeah, Jesus Culture. And now they've become so big that it's not only Jesus Culture, but it's their their church's band that is doing the music and stuff. And so this music, it's out there, and it's almost like a gateway drug, Mm -hmm. so to speak, where people, they'll hear the songs, they'll be like, oh, I want to know more about where this is coming from. Before they know it, they're learning about um, Bethel and their college and Mm -hmm. all these heretical teachings. Yeah. And so uh, even though they've got some good songs, um, they're coming from places that are teaching heresy, and so we have to be so careful. Now, can you listen to them throughout the week? Yeah, you can listen to them. I'm not saying that you can't, but what I'm saying is it's dangerous. Right. And so, and we're supposed to be um, meditating upon the truths of God's word. We're supposed to be um, you know, having our minds renewed. Right. And that's not a Sunday thing. That's a everyday right. thing. Uh, what do we want rattling around inside our brain? Because we are t- we're we're being taught through the music we listen to. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So we do we do catechism class here on Wednesday nights for the kids. They are going through a Baptist catechism. What is the easiest way to teach them the catechism? It's through, it's music. through music, right? Absolutely. Um, they the teachers are having all the kids learn Psalm nineteen. Uh, my wife has found a, an excellent song that is Psalm nineteen, and they're teaching it to the kids, and the kids are learning Psalm nineteen, not because of uh, you know just going through reciting it, but they can sing it. Yeah. Um, you just know from experience that the things that you pick up the easiest are the things that you hear in, in music. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, and so we need to be on guard because the music is the way that it's going to get into our, our brains. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And, and if you think that it's not affecting you, um, why aren't you just listening to instruments? Right. Like the words are, the words matter, right? The words are catchy and you find yourself, um, hearing songs on repeat in your head. That's right. And your influence, yeah. Trained. Right. Yeah. That's a Luther's quote brings us back to that. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that's what we see all throughout <clears throat> Scripture. It, it's so amazing how God has created us to learn through music. Before uh, the Israelites go into the Promised Land, in Deuteronomy, he gives them a song to remember these things. Mm-hmm. And, and throughout Scripture, how does the church uh, know the gospel? How do, we, how do we ingrain the gospel? Well, we teach and admonish one another, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. That's, right. how, that's mm-hmm. how we're letting the word of Christ dwell in us richly is right. through song. Yeah. And, and so it's so important that, um, what's, that we what's, are renewing our minds. Yeah, what's the biggest book in the Bible? Right. It's, it's a song book. Exactly. It comes to us without the notes, right. but it's a song book. Right. Yeah. God, God is serious about music. He's serious about what we sing. Um, the church's theology, what we believe, shines through what we sing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we sing was, great. We sing great songs. I here. think it was mm-hmm. Gordon Fee that said, "If you want to know what a church believes, look at their songs." Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and what's sad is that 
as you look at so many churches, even in this area, uh, what you discover is very shallow theology. And, and God has blessed the church, I believe now more than ever, with great music. There, there is no excuse for the church to sing a bad song, uh, theologically or even instrumentally. Yeah. Um, and so what we find is that as you look around, you've got a lot of churches that they aren't necessarily singing heretical songs. These aren't singing very good songs. Right. Yeah, and that's the same with, uh, that That would be why I would recommend don't listen to Bethel or Hillsong. Absolutely. Like they may have some good songs, but I would just say, just toss them. Absolutely. It's the same with, with books. Um, could someone like Craig Rochelle write a book that has good stuff in it? Probably. Am I going to waste my time reading it? Of course not, because there's better books. Yeah. Um, does Bethel and Hillsong have some good songs? Sure. Um, but is there better stuff? Mm-hmm. Like, why waste your time on this when you could be listening to better stuff that you don't have to constantly be on your guard and say, well, is this one of their heretical songs or is this one of their good ones? Yeah. Um, who, who wants to be constantly doing that when they're listening to their playlist? Right. right? So I know that there are a lot of good alternatives. So how about you give us Absolutely. How about you give us what what are your what are your go-tos? So my go-tos right at the top of the list and what's really exciting is most of my go-to music is stuff that we even sing here at this church like yeah. on a Sunday morning. Yeah. Um uh, guys like Matt Papa, uh, Matt Boswell, mm-hmm. um uh, they've written a lot of hymns but at the same time they've written uh, Matt Papa's written like Christian rock albums. Mm. And so um, one of my favorite songs he's ever written is called Stay Away From Jesus. And the beginning of the song says, you will never hear this song on Christian radio because <laughs> the Jesus that I serve is not safe. Mm. Um, there are guys that are writing great music in different, genre, different genres. Um, so Matt Papa, Matt Boswell, uh, Sovereign Grace Music, um, we do some of their music here, but um, that's a great alternative to like Bethel and Hillsong where with them, you've got to be on guard. Sovereign Grace does a great job of, of sticking to the scriptures. And so um, Keith and Kristen Getty, uh, if you like Irish, like bluegrass, um, sometimes they even mix the two, which is very interesting. For, the, for those people that say Amos instead of Amos. That's correct. That, yeah. Yeah. So that's a good, good alternative. <laughs> Um, and just recently, there was a group, um, a group's kind of come out of Australia, and at first I was really leery of them because <laughs> that's where Hillsong's from, right, right. Uh, but a group called City of Light, okay. um, and we sing some of their songs here, mm-hmm. but just great music. Um, if you like older hymns, uh, there's a group called Indelible Grace that retunes old hymns. In fact, um, we sing uh, Jesus, I My Cross Have Taken, and they took that old hymn and kind of retuned it. And I'm glad yeah. they did because that is an outstanding song. Yeah. Um, so there's no, um, and um, I'll try to have a playlist with some of this music that maybe we can put up on the podcast um, Facebook page or something just to kind of give you yeah. some more. Um, but there's no reason for us to listen to heretical music or even listening to some of these guys where you've got to be on guard all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, God is providing the church with some great music. Um, And so there's no reason for the church to be listening to bad music. There's no reason for the church to be singing bad music. Um, Because when you're, when you're singing, you're putting, you're putting words on your mouth. And if you're singing wrong things about God, why does that not bother you? 
Like, why is it acceptable for you to sing wrong things about God, but not to say wrong things about God? Yeah. Like, what we what we sing matters. That's right. And we know that. We know it intrinsically because the musicians are always in the room. That's right. And so now more than ever, we've got to be on guard with the music that we're listening to, what we're, you know, I think about the old little kid song, you know, Oh, be careful, little mm-hmm. here's what we hear. Yeah. You know? What are we subjecting ourselves to? And and so God has provided us with some great, great music. Mm-hmm. Um, now, let me just throw out this little disclaimer that uh, in our efforts to be on guard and to watch out, there's a lot of guys, uh, well, as I mentioned earlier, like Phil Wickham, that he's not necessarily writing heretical music. He's a just a contemporary Christian artist, but who's he associating himself with? Right. And just recently, I saw that Chris Tomlin started to associate more and more with the Bethel crowd and things like that. Oh, really? Chris Tomlin, no. You know, it's like... <laughs> big, which, big audience there, buddy. Th- that's a huge audience. And most people probably maybe don't start, even think anything. Maybe he'll it. start writing unnecessary choruses for their songs. And there you go. <laughs> oh, <my goodness. laughs> that was funny. I like yeah. that one. Um, so for, for us here, we'll never sing Bethel or Hillsong. Um, for one, by... By singing their music, you're endorsing them. Like we would never have Bill Johnson or is it Joel Houston or I forget who yeah. the other guy is. Uh-huh. Houston, one of the Houston guys, Brian Houston. Brian Houston, thank yep. you. But we never let them come and speak at our church, right? Well, why would why in the world would we sing songs that are right coming from mm-hmm. that source? Yeah. But what's sad is that we've got we've got churches in our area, even False Creek, that will sing these. Songs coming from these places. And Not False Creek, Philip. That's shocking. <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't have brought it up. <laughs> but but, it, but it's what they're doing is they're endorsing right. these uh, these heretical places. And so um so for Brooke, there there are much better places and much better uh, songs than what's coming from Bethel and uh, Hillsong, and I, I'd even throw out um, Elevation Church. Stephen Furtick's church has become <laughs> right. one of these music powerhouses. Mm-hmm. Um, Gateway is another. They know they gospel. they know that the music is the way to get to get people in. Yeah. Right. That's why they keep making albums. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. You guys need to make an album, Philip. It, it's it's on my list of yeah. things. I want to. I want to. And so. Well, you have the world's best. Uh, little box player. I don't even know what that Cajon. Little box you have, player. We have little if, box player. If music, like, if music draws like you in, that, Jay. if music draws you in, we have the best Cajon player in there the world at our church. That's no joke. It, it is not. Yep. It is not. He make that little box do things that you never even imagined. I'll tell you, man. Sunday when we're singing "The Lord Is My Salvation," that's my jam. <laughs> <laughs> Go back and listen to Costin yeah. playing. Yeah. And, oh man. <laughs> Good start. All right. Shut us, take us home, George. All right. Well, Philip, thanks for being here with us today, buddy. It's good to see you. You too, man. Glad that you're feeling better. Um, it's uh, been 
fun to just spend some time talking about uh, preaching and singing. It matters in our churches. We should be serious about it. We should see what God's Word says about it, and um, then we should do it. We should be obedient. Uh, also, just want to throw out that uh, if you have any uh, requests, if you have any questions, uh, any topics you'd like us to cover, feel free to shoot us a message, and uh, we will do our best to get to those things. But uh, hopefully this has been beneficial for you. Uh, if it has, please make sure to like, subscribe, and share. Get the word out. And it is our hope, as always, that you will become more and more conformed to Christ.